Obviously, we're not doing phone books anymore. It's now about how we can pull together big sets of data to help consumers and businesses improve their workflows, prevent fraud, enable last mile shipping, things like that. So while the products and services and uses are different and has evolved significantly over the past 20 years, the trust in the brand name is the same. The world needs what only your business can bring. And as a leader, it's your job to deliver. But where do you focus? Where do you direct your time, your team, your budget, and your emotional energy? We're learning this together on the North Star Leaders podcast. I'll be talking to purpose-driven leaders about the choices they make to create audacious economic value while also realizing their distinctive purpose. I'm Lindsay Peterson, brand strategist, author of Forging an Ironclad Brand, and host of the North Star Leaders podcast. Let's get to it. Today, I am so delighted to be joined by my guest, Lee McMillan. Lee is the CEO of White Pages. She is also a board member, and she is a winemaker and co-owner at Welcome Road Winery in Seattle. Lee, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Lindsay. What an honor to be here. I'm so happy to have you. To start us off, can you tell me about your very favorite thing about White Pages? People. The people. (laughs) I have never worked with such a diverse, unique, passionate, collaborative group of people. You know, we're a pretty small company. We've got about 40 people here in Seattle and another handful across the country. And then we have some folks in South America. And for such a small company, I mean, we've got people who speak, I think, seven different languages, really diverse backgrounds, and it makes the work better and the days interesting. And, you know, I've never worked with such a foodie group of people. Oh, everybody's really into food and what's the newest restaurant in Seattle and very social group of people that hang out together outside of work. And, you know, like I say, it makes the work better, fun, and the time that we're spending together more fun. And so that's the best part. You're so lit up just talking about it. It's so (laughs) clear how effervescent this is for you. What do you attribute this to? So it's this amazing group of people. That's not luck. I imagine that there's an intentional element that brought that all of those forces together. Like, why is it? Why do you have such wonderful people? Ooh, it's so grateful and lucky. There are some things that are intentional. White Pages has been around for 20 plus years. People remember the phone book. And while the company is very different than the phone book now, over those 20 years, it is always helping people grow their careers and bringing people in early in their career and then helping them get to where they want to go next has always been a part of White Pages DNA, which is why everybody you may talk to in your podcast or otherwise will know somebody or will have worked with somebody who at some point pass through the doors at White Pages. And so we continue that, call it tradition now, to where 
If somebody who works in marketing wants to go learn about product management, we help make that happen. On the engineering side, you know, we we're really a data company. And so we enable engineers to really get a deep understanding of big, huge sets of data. And, you know, we'll create projects and things to help people grow their careers and go on to their next thing, whether it's at White Pages or somewhere else. Wow. That's a big part of it. And then, of course, start with some good people. They bring in good people, interesting people. So I think it's the combination of those two things. I hear you saying we're playing the long game. First of all, there's a heritage to the company. This is clearly not a fly-by-night organization where we're just going to drop yeah and all of our customers tomorrow. Like, there's heritage. And what matters is not just today's performance or the people here today, but what is the goodwill that stretches beyond even their tenure at the company What are even the things that matter to these people that are years out from when they're not even at White Pages anymore, which is about caring about these people? You can't fake that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I always kind of counsel folks, think about the job that you want after this next one. What's the roadmap and what are the things that you would need to do to get there or want to do to get there or things that we'd like to try to make sure? you know, to test out your roadmap and determine, is this really the right thing? When you see people move from one role to another and just excel and, you know, you just see the excitement that people have and how much they're enjoying their work. What's better than that? For you as the leader, for them as the employee, for their teammates, for their manager, for the people who work for them, that their life force is being celebrated outside of just the things that are on today's job description. And that's kind of how my career has gone. I've worked in politics. I worked for Major League Baseball. I worked in video games, car sharing. You know, I did PR for a while, which at some point I learned, gosh, I'm really not awesome at this. And so, you know, let me go hone in on the thing that I'm better at. I've been an executive producer for programs online. I've done business development. So I've navigated through that as opposed to having a straight line. And so it's great to see when other people can find their way by trying different things and taking some chances. Right. The diversity and the variety of experience comes to bear even when it's not like a straight line, easy to see where working for the Mariners help being the CEO of White Pages. But at the same time, it does because the values that you're talking about right now came from all of your experience throughout your career. Did you ever codify or somehow write down like what is the filter for people or for white pages, like this is the thing that's going to guide the decision making around people or around things beyond people, partnerships, innovation, or is it more in your head? I guess I should do some writing down, maybe a little bit, but no, I think it's more in my head. And, you know, I'm fortunate to work with such a great leadership team at White Pages, half of which have worked with me at previous companies. So, You know, we know each other pretty well and think about things 
certain things the same way and other things mm. completely differently. But when it comes to the environment we want to operate in and the culture that we would like to have and our goals to help people advance their careers, we're very united in that. Yeah. It strikes me about White Pages. It's kind of as close to a household name as a brand gets. I mean, there might be another 10 or 20 that are up there with White Pages, but it's a very high awareness, high trust brand. There's a huge breadth to it. It means a lot. It's consumer, it's B2B, it's B2C. It seems like there's a large span that you could kind of lead with or lean into. What's it like to lead a business that has so much brand awareness and trust and familiarity compared to other businesses that you've run? For sure. Some of my prior companies, of course, were startups, technology startups, where big goal of ours was to increase the brand awareness. Very different at White Pages. And yeah, I hope we can talk some brand strategy. Ooh. <laughs> okay. You're absolutely right. White Pages is very broadly known. And we've done some surveys and measurements, not recently, but in prior, you know, past prior years. And I'm still kind of stunned at the broad awareness that we have, because of course, people remember the phone books, despite the fact that they've print version has been gone for a long time. Obviously, folks who are coming up who are much younger, less brand awareness associated with it. So they don't totally know what it is, but they've heard of it and they trust it. That's always really surprising to me and it's valuable and it's important. So the questions that we have is how do we continue to evolve the business under that umbrella? Part of that is just maintaining customers' trust no matter what type of product or service that we're doing. And so customer service is very, very important to us to maintain that sort of trust feeling. Might not get what it is, but I know that it's trusted and that's the part that's important to us. But obviously we're not doing phone books anymore. It's now about how we can pull together big sets of data to help consumers and businesses improve their workflows, prevent fraud, enable last mile shipping, things like that. So while the products and services and uses are different and has evolved significantly over the past 20 years, the trust in the brand name is the same. Yeah. I mean, it's an enviable position. Lee, the leader from seven or eight years ago when we worked together on a brand strategy would have been really envious of the Lee of today who has such strong brand awareness. So what is the challenge then if it's not brand awareness building, what's the next frontier once you have that, that is tricky that you wouldn't even know to be stressed about from a startup's perspective? Like what comes after you've got brand awareness and now what? Then what's the challenge if it's not that? You're right. It's very, very different challenges from when you and I worked together a few years ago. Now it's about evolving our business in an era where you know how people say data is the new oil or whatever. Right. Technologies around data, privacy norms around data is changing rapidly. And that does two things. You have to evolve with that. And so the business needs to change, but it also creates new opportunities. And so the thing that I think about is how do we remain relevant and continue to do what we do and 
you know, millions and millions of customers to continue to do what they need to do to operate their business or just day-to-day tasks when things are changing so rapidly. Yeah. I can't remember if we've talked about this before or not, but it's interesting how the familiarity and almost like old schoolness of white pages, I mean, it references physical paper, is like equal and opposite to how amorphous data is. It's a neat kind of intersection that you have this brand umbrella that's about something borderline nostalgic for something like data and AI, which is so future looking and otherwise kind of difficult to wrap your arms around. It's kind of a cool, I don't know how intentional that blend was to stick with kind of a old school idea for something that is so rapidly evolving. It's kind of magical because it puts people at ease for something that otherwise is so novel that it might kind of feels too nebulous to think through as much as they otherwise would. I hadn't really thought about it that way. The thing that's great about it in that context is it is a simple product that we put forward that helps people do literally hundreds of everyday things. If you're an e-commerce site, gosh, is this a fraudulent transaction or not? When I get an incoming phone call, is this an existing customer or a new customer? You know, for consumers, our traffic goes crazy in November because people are shipping packages and still sending Christmas cards. And you don't have that traditional address book, you know, where you had your grandmother's address, you know, now half of it's on your phone. And if it's not on your phone, you don't have it. So these are all pretty old school or traditional needs that still exist. But the way that people get that information, addresses for shipping and things like that, is very complicated now. And it requires a lot of behind-the-scenes technology and the sausage-making in order to present a simple interface that people can engage with online to solve simple tasks. Mm. I think that's right. You nailed it. It is the nostalgic, but they're the same things that we had to do. (laughs) Ten years ago, you still have to do them now. Right. Even 200 years ago, people needed to know where somebody was in order to contact them. It's almost like an ancient, the need to be able to connect human to human. It's not just old school, like when you and I were growing up in the late 20th century. It's also like eons and centuries and millennia old and just changes shape and form. I suppose before white pages, it was Somebody had just memorized so-and-so lives down the lane from Joshua who lives down the lane. So there's that kind of commonality feels so reassuring as a human being. And then it makes me okay hearing about this newfangled thing that you're going to tell me about that solves this problem. That simplicity is so disarming for customers. You might have just said it, but What would you say is the promise of White Pages? What's the brand promise or the core value proposition or what a fill in the blank term? We talk about it in terms of, you know, and this is going to sound a little data for good. It really is. We strive to strike the balance between meeting the changing privacy norms 
people are concerned about what's happening with their data online and data associated with them to balancing that with, we will always have a need to contact people who are outside of our phone book. The contact list in our phone will always have the need to do that. So how do we balance those two things and enable, you know, frankly, commerce to continue? You can't have online commerce without a way to contact people and engage and ship things and mail things and communicate with people. Yeah. Our brand promise is, you know, we think about it data for good. We try to do the right thing for our customers and make data available. And particularly, you know, this is public information that is largely public for a reason because people need it to operate. We understand people are concerned about their data privacy. And so I guess if I had to sum that up into one word, it's about transparency, transparency and trust. We don't collect or do things with data that isn't readily apparent on our website. You can see all of the data and how it gets used. We don't do anything behind the scenes or otherwise. We have a strong customer service team that will meet the different needs that people have. So trust and transparency, two T's. Love it. I love it. As somebody who has spent time using your product, I feel it. It comes through. It feels very transparent and sincere. There's an element of just crystal clarity. Since you're a good size company and there's really audacious economic growth goals, you're also preserving this asset, this trust. Are there times when you have to say no to things that would be really growth enabling but would tarnish that transparency and trust that are such an asset as well? Like, does it filter in and filter out decisions that you need to make as the CEO? More so on a day-to-day, I don't want to say tactical, but execution and strategy than it is, oh, we could go pursue this big bet over here, but that doesn't meet with our trust and transparency tenants. It's more on a day-to-day basis. Like I say, privacy norms changing quickly, business and consumer needs for data is changing. And so we more often have to kind of think about how we'll approach something within that trust and transparency on a day-to-day basis. Of course, there's no shortage of bets or things that we could go tackle, but that's more done through the lens of, do we think we can execute on this in a leadership position? Will it help people grow their careers? Is it something that's interesting for people to work on? And do we understand how it would grow and could grow our business? So that's more the lens that the larger decisions are made. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I love how there's sort of this dual lens of does it enable us to better deliver on our promise? Data is good, promising the transparency, while also enabling people, this is back to the first thing you said about white pages, also allowing our people to expand in a way that they want to expand. Does it meet with both of those criteria? If no, then don't pursue. And if yes, then probably pursue. Yeah. 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 I love that. Okay. So kind of shifting a little bit, thinking more about you as a leader and like your style and how you 
bring to bear your own emotional energy to the job of being CEO of White Pages. What gets you through on the hard days? Like, what's the motivating force that is present with you, even when you don't have things to look forward to that are not fun that you have to do on a given day? Yeah, we all have those things, don't we? There's two things. And the first one is, frankly, the legacy of White Pages. I, in part, came to the company because I was interested in what the next chapter could look like, particularly with privacy norms. Things are changing so rapidly with data online. I was like, okay, I know so many people who have worked here over the years. So I felt like, okay, this is an interesting time. Let's write the next chapter. What could that look like? That's a piece of it. There aren't a lot of companies like us in Washington State, our size, first of all, relatively small. And for the amount of revenue that we generate, it's pretty impressive. Lean and mean team. But that gives us the opportunity to do things, to move people into roles that they're interested in and to try some different things. And so I think that's really special. So that legacy. And then the second one is a number of people have joined me at White Pages that come from, you know, I think three different companies that I've been at in the past. And so I feel also a responsibility, not just to them, but, you know, it kind of starts with them and to the rest of the company that, you know, yeah, this is pretty crappy right now, but y'all came here and trusted me. And so we just got to power through. I hear so much in both of those responses. I hear such a sense of stewardship. Like I care about the legacy of this company. I care about these human beings who work for this company, especially ones who came because of my stewardship. And that that lights you up. We're on the screen together so I can see how it lights you up. But I also can imagine that when there's a tricky day ahead, that that is a source of fuel to be a steward for this company that you're the steward of right now. And also for these people who you cared enough about to bring them over. Quite frankly, the tricky days are less tricky because of the awesome team. Ooh, I love that. I love that. And it harkens back to what you love most about White Pages. You inspire and you expand the people and you take good care of the people. And then longer term... Short term, it's nice on the day-to-day basis. You get to work with amazing people. And then longer term, the tricky things are less present. The tricky things are less debilitating. It's kind of that virtuous cycle of goodness that gets from like living the purpose of the company. I've been around for a while. And I think it took me a while to get to this point to where... I got it, I guess, in terms of how to help facilitate a collaborative environment. It took me a while to get here. So now I feel like, okay, (laughs) it's all coming together now. And that makes it special as well. I was actually just going to ask you that. Like, if you think of the Lee of 20 years ago, what would you tell yourself? What would have been the most kind of fruitful thing to hear at that point in your career that you know now? So many things. First thing comes to mind is, oh, just mellow out. You know? Yeah. Yes, I know. I feel it. Yeah. It's just not that big a deal. Yeah. 
back 20 years ago is probably right around when I started in technology. That was in probably my first technology job, which back in the day was Real Networks during its heyday. And I remember everything was so important and sleeping at the office back in the day. Wow. Now, and I do cherish that experience because so many of us, again, have gone on to many other companies and many other experiences. And we we're pretty close at that time being in the trenches and doing 80, 100 hours a week, which now just seems crazy to me. But yeah, I took everything very, very seriously and probably got some stress. It might have taken some time off my life, but I think uh, it's back now. I think about this a lot, too, how there's such an illusion, at least I think it's an illusion, that, okay, well, if I put 80 to 100 hours of work in in a week, it's going to lead to a better outcome than if I put 70 hours of work. Yeah. That we think of it as a straight line and not diminishing marginal returns on all of those hours. And that if I suffer more, if I stress more, then there's going to be a better outcome when I mean, sometimes it's true. I'm sure that there are instances where that's true, but it's not always true or even usually true. Back in the day, it was the badge of honor to be the last one at the office and eat at your desk and, you know, I'm working more hours. And, you know, I look back on that now and just said that was just bananas. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've evolved, obviously, significantly. COVID, you know, had an impact on that as well. But now I think reality is set in. And I think people, at least me, I see this with the team, are better at recognizing when it's time to take a break and step back and not everything is equally important. So that, you know, when you do have times, and we've had times at White Pages where we've asked people, hey, guys, we got to pull together and put in the time and do it then that just makes that time more successful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This was amazing. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Okay. Okay. Single word or single phrase answer. Okay. Favorite snack? Chips and salsa. Last splurge purchase? Oh, new golf club. Ooh. Favorite guilty pleasure TV show or non-guilty pleasure if you prefer? Okay. This is an old show. I don't know if people will remember it, but I used to really be into that show, Army Wives. (laughs) If you had given me a hundred guesses, I still would not have guessed that. Yeah. And my friends still call me a nickname that was related to the show still to this day. So I can't explain why. I don't know. It just spoke to you. Did. Okay. What book is on your bedside table? It's a book about Robert Mondavi, oh. the California winemaker sure. and pioneer, wine pioneer. It's a whole story about how he built the winery. And I've read it probably five times. No kidding. This isn't rapid fire, but are you more of a nonfiction person than a fiction person for your bedside table? I go back and forth. I like to read Scandinavian crime books. Oh, noir, I guess it's called. Do you have a favorite one? Oh, gosh, there's so many. There's so many. Okay, well, I love Scandinavian crime TV, so I would be very game if you think of a recommendation for a good Scandinavian noir detective book. Yeah, I can recommend tons of them. Yeah, they did them in series, so you can go from one to the next. Okay, 
share with me later and I'll put them in the show notes for our listeners. Deal. Final question. What is your favorite brand? Patagonia. Boom. I love it. Well, Lee, this has been great. It's been so nice talking to you. Thank you for sharing your insights with me and with our listeners. If our listeners want to hear more about you or stay in touch with you, how can you direct them online to how to follow you? Stay in touch. So probably the best thing is LinkedIn. I don't do the Twitter X. LinkedIn is my happy place too. Okay. LinkedIn, Lee McMillan. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Lindsay. It was an honor and a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of North Star Leaders. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on your favorite podcast app. For show notes, transcripts, and newsletter sign up, visit ironcladbrandstrategy.com. Please join us again for another episode of North Star Leaders. North Star Leaders.